Live from Run Your Mouth World Headquarters. Social media CEOs grilled on Capitol Hill as politicians are mad that social media companies have made child trafficking available to average citizens. And here's what Jeff Zuckerberg said to the audience. I understand. I try to be human too. And in learning about your kind, I know that you care for your kids. Here at Meta, we will do better at caring for your younglings. In fashion, why Brittany Mahomes is dressing like an SS officer. In financial news, the coin toss to decide if the Fed should lower rates. Here's what Jerome Powell had to say. We figured the economy was getting bad and we'd have to lower them, but now things are magically looking really good. So we might keep them, but they might also only be good because everyone thought we were lowering them. But also when they were low, we never hit the target inflation. So a lot of this is just gonna have to ride on the coin toss. And details on the very mediocre looking and complainy original specimen the CIA used to make Taylor Swift. It's your daily dose of misinformation pulled from a lightly hemorrhoided asshole. It's today's Run Your Mouth. What is up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Run Your Mouth podcast. Things are already becoming unhinged over here at this new studio. What is this shadowing? Do you guys know how much time I spent on the lighting over here? And let me tell you, we're going to get some more soundproofing in here because, uh, you know, I like I, I feel like I was too tempered the last couple episodes because, you know, there's nice people in that hallway. You got some artists at the end of the hallway with a Black Lives Matter painting. You got these other neighbors working on furniture. I, I can't be uh, ruining the furniture fruitcakes day day. You got nice artists out there. And then you got someone who's going to be in here yelling about deporting the Swifties, which is important. We're, we're about to get into that. And I, I, I think my lamp's coming undone. Whatever, more improvements coming. Tell me, we're, we're getting unhinged today. We're getting all zimmed up and ready to go. Friday night action. Let's go. Gonna get hammered tonight. I've been, I've been spending, uh, I've been behaving myself up in the apartment, but let's not get into that. We're gonna try and stay focused on uh, deporting the Taylor Swift people because, listen, if at, the, if at the top of the show, people don't listen to the whole episode, I know that. The episode goes on sometimes 45 minutes, an hour and 15. Sometimes we're well-researched on topics. Sometimes we get so lost down chaotic uh, wormholes. I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. And so sometimes at the top of the show, you got to talk about the most important thing that's on your mind. And in this case, it's deporting the Swifties. If a trucker convoy is going down to the border, Round these people up and take them right over it with the rest of the Mexicans. Uh, we're not losing an election over the CIA having gone into small town America, finding some lady that's sleeping around a little bit too pretty for the town, but keeps making bad choices in men. All the men are leaving, and then they clone that lady to go sing songs about it. They pair it up with some shitty electronic catchy music things that you and I would never listen to. But for some reason, all these little teeny boppers love nothing more than even a rich, pretty lady gets to complain, which validates all their complaining. And since they see that the pretty lady gets to make bad choices in men and they get to complain, the rest of these little teeny boppers think that they get to spend their whole lives complaining. And then you get everyone thinking it's okay to complain. And then the CIA steps in with endorsements for new presidential candidates. And you guys might say, hey, this is just right-wing conspiracy nonsense. 
Can Taylor Swift really turn an election? Is she really a CIA plant? And you guys can go watch the World Economic Forum footage where they're talking about how they can make power couples to try and preach to us that the only way that you can be a good upstanding citizen is if you get out there and you get yourself vaccinated. Well, I won't have it. And that's why I say, firstly, I don't think I've ever even slept with the lady who was into Taylor Swift. So what do I care? Well, maybe that would be bad. Maybe that would erode the market because whatever men are sleeping with them, why are these kids anyways? Why are we talking about this? This got disgusting really quickly. So just to summarize, let's deport them. Let's get rid of the Swifties. Let's, let's not live in a world where immigrants get to sneak in, have amnesty, and vote for Democrats or the CIA. Like anyone who's a Taylor Swift fan, maybe they should just be disqualified for voting on account of the fact that uh, that the CIA has already distorted the way they think about these things. All right, let's get into some more show topics. Uh, but before we do, I did play uh, some footage from that congressional hearing. They pulled the social media people in there and they said, hey, you got all sorts of creepy kid stuff going on on your platforms. And uh, firstly, to whatever extent creepy kid stuff is going on on those people's platform, I declare no excuse. If you were able to find the part of the problem group because we were having conversations with accurate information in regards to COVID and we got kicked right off that platform, you're telling me that you can't keep creepy kid shit off your platform? You guys monitor everything that's going on all the time. I got Run Your Mouth episodes still coming down off of YouTube from two years ago because Steven said things that were 100% and completely accurate. Maybe that's too bold of a statement. You know, the Russian talking points, they're pretty accurate. We get them in advance. What do you guys think of the intro, by the way? We're going full ADD. I think the neighbors are out of the building. We just got to find times. Maybe we'll maybe we'll start doing the show at one in the morning. We don't have to worry about these hallway people. And what is going on with that shadow? Is that a creepy ghost thing that's following me around? You know how much time I spent on this lighting? Anyways, we're trying to stay focused. That's what I was trying to say. People don't listen to the whole show. And so at the beginning of the episode, you got to talk about your most important topic, which in this case is uh, kicking the Swifties out of the country. But. Right. I was trying to talk about that congressional hearing. We're settling into this place. Uh, the congressional hearing. Here's what I think is going on, because they do this all the time. You got to play for you got to play for a team when it comes to being a business. You want to just spend your whole life not donating to one side of the aisle. doesn't matter what side you donate to, but you got to donate to one side. And so you know what the Republicans are doing? They're pulling these guys in there and they're letting them know, listen, if you interfere with this election again, we're going to go after you for all your pedophile shit. Normally. Listen, we look the other way on pedophilia. We're in the government. Uh, the Epstein thing is helping us keep the support going to Israel. So, you know, we understand we're on team pedophile, generally speaking. But if coming into an election season, you think for one second you're not going to publish stories about Hunter Biden and you think you're going to play for the Democrats again, we're going to keep pulling you in here and having conversations about you making uh, the child prostitution or whatever else available to general people. And I don't believe for one second that they can't get that stuff off the platforms. I understand that they're big platforms. Also, I wonder to what extent maybe that's a little overstated because I remember being a kid in AOL chat rooms, having some real creepy conversations with adults. And look at what I grew up to be, a fine, bald, young American preaching the good word to the average citizen and letting them know that if they know a Swifty in their life, they should tell them that there's a trucker convoy with free tickets headed down to the border. She's such a nice lefty. She's going to stand at the border. She's going to do a free concert. So if you see a trucker coming through your town, I know that hitchhiking's falling out of fashion, but young kids, they're gullible. You got to get out there. You got to get your thumb up. You got to get yourself on that trucker convoy and go down to the, uh, the border for the uh, free Taylor Swift concert. So just to recap, 
Because we covered a lot there. Like I said, first topic, you got to make sure that uh, you cover the most important things. So first thing is uh, let's get the Swifties out of the country, right? Second thing is I think the congressional hearings is the Republicans are playing it smart. They're pulling these people in and they're going, we're going to start coming after you if you think you're going to engage in this censorship again and cost us another election. Three, if there actually is any creepy pedophile shit going on on these platforms, I don't I don't believe for one second that they can't, can't clean it up. And four, I also wonder if that's uh, I'm sure to some extent it's true. I'm, I'm going to play I'm going to play it nice and easy on this one. Go right down the middle. I'm sure to some extent it's true and some extent it's not true. But it's got to be a little bit overstated. Like, I'm sure if you showed up in Congress with the conversations I had as a teeny bopper, 12, 13 on a- in AOL chat rooms, ASL with some adult. that wouldn't look good either all right and you know the only thing that can make content like this possible it's yo kratom.com home of the 60 dollar kilo so even if you don't like kratoms what else can you pick up for an entire kilo how many times have you heard me do an ad just call them up get yourself a kilo put it on the shelf people can ask you about it and you could be like that's emergency supplies for the end of the world that i can feel really good for a really long time because i know that i supported the run your mouth podcast not because the product but because you supported the podcast and because those guys are loyal supporters of us. And that's why we get to say nonsense like this. And by the way, I'm working on a backend platform because I don't know how much longer we're going to last on YouTube. But for now, let's stay at it. All right. Here's my presentation. You know, we come uh, we come prepared with uh, with notes over here. We're not like these other shows. Wait, what just happened to it? There you go. Presentation. First topic of today is an update of the war in Ukraine. Like I said, most important topics right up front. You guys have been watching this war in Ukraine. They're still trying to preach why we need more money. They're trying to say, listen, we'll actually shut down the border if you give us the money that we need for the Ukraine war situation. And listen, this entire time, you thought that we were losing this war. You thought, why would we spend money on more wars? Look at all the wars we've lost since World War II. We went into Vietnam. I don't know what the fuck happened in Korea. I have no idea. We spent a whole bunch of time uh, bombing Afghanistan. Then we left there, left them with a whole bunch of equipment. We keep bombing shit in the Middle East. It just remains a mess. I don't know if it would be more or less of a mess. But look at the return on investments on wars. And it doesn't look very good. And the American people, they're on to this. They're like, we're looking to remodel our border. That's what we're looking to do. If we're going to spend funds on something, we'd like to get ourselves a brand new spanking fresh wall. Maybe something with some tile in it. Maybe something with like stones you can show up like the like the Western Wall. You can put some stuff in it. Maybe something with stairs like the like the China, the Great Wall of China. You can get down there. You can run some stairs. Maybe we can put like rock climbing stuff and things, making an attraction. You got to pay for this thing somehow. I'm just trying to get creative. You can rappel down it slides on the other side. How, how offensive would that be is you keep the Mexicans out. And then on our side of the wall, you just build like a water park off of it. It's hot down there in Texas. Anyways. People want a wall at this point. They don't want these wars. They're looking at all these wars. They're going, we're not even winning these things. Why do you keep putting us into fights that we can't win? How much money are you going to spend on these training camps for unwinnable fights? And so now they got a new piece of spin. I believe this is from the New York Times. I should be documenting that. That's ridiculous that I don't just put it right there. War in Ukraine. Yeah, this was from the New York Times. War in Ukraine has weakened Putin's CIA director rights. So this is good. This is good news, everyone. Our, the, the head of our intelligence agency is on the case, and they want to let you know that this war is actually weakened Putin. How is it weakened Putin? William J. Burns says Russia invasion of Ukraine has created recruiting opportunities for the spy agency and ushered in a new era. 
Oh, look at this. Guys, 10, 20, 30 years from now, you don't know what the return on investment on this war is going to be. We've had all sorts of people. They're in Russia. They're in the, uh, the highest. They're like high up in that military. And even they look at what Putin's doing and they're going, this is just flat wrong. We have to respect borders. Doesn't matter if foreign nations are trying to bring missile systems right on the line of our country. We can't put resources into trying to defend ourselves. That sounds a little bit too much. Well, we're working with Putin talking points over here. So, you know, that's what happens. It sounds aggressively pro-Russian sometimes. <clears throat> we're not supporting what they did. But uh, you, you see what's happening here is that even though in our country, we don't buy into this narrative of that Putin's trying to take over all of Europe, uh, apparently the Russians and, and some of the high up Russians who, you know, they're not concerned that they might end up exploding in planes like those Prigozhin guys. They're not concerned with those kind of things. Putin's been weakened from this war overall. Don't be fooled by what happened to Prigozhin. These people, they are they have no fear of being caught. And they are taking a strong opposition to what Putin is doing in the Ukraine. And they're actually secretly working for us. We can't tell you who these individuals are. We can't tell you what kind of dividends this might pay down the line. But what we can tell you is that if we continue to support this war and we continue to spend money over there, then we're going to continue to recruit these supposed Russian spies. And in 10, 20, 30 years, there will be a victory down the line. So you know what? Everyone at home, whatever you're doing right now, enjoying your Friday night, getting ready to get out there and party, you can pat yourself on the back because this war that you thought that we were spending money and losing the entire time, we've actually been secretly winning in ways that you won't even see for 20 or 30 years. How's that for a new spin? You got you to congratulate them on that one. That's a good one right there. That's a good storyline. We've been secretly winning this thing the entire time by converting the highest levels of the Russian government into American spies. Next one, Putin apparently has a secret 10,000 acre lair near Finnish border, has $10,000 bidets, a brewery, and an air defense system report levels. A $10,000 bidet. What, does that make you come? Does that restore your asshole to like 22-year-old levels? You could eat donuts all day, never have a hemorrhoid? What is a $10,000 bidet? Is that just a person in there that licks your asshole clean? Oh, that's like an old Stanhope joke. If you guys have never seen that, that might be one of the greatest bits ever. Go look it up. Keynesian economics as applied to the urban hooker market. Nothing I've ever done is as funny as that bit. And uh, I apologize to you, Lord Stanhope, for stealing it in that moment. It popped into my head. It's not like I wrote it down. I was just thinking, what would a $10,000 bidet look like? And then I said the thing, and then I remembered that that was his exact joke. Gotta get the blood diamond. Go listen to that. If you never heard that bit, it's a great bit. Anyways, <laughs> moving forward. Remember how I was just moments ago yelling about that congressional hearing, bringing the people of Facebook in? So I don't know where this was from. Oh, New York Times. Two of the five chief, chief executives agreed to support the Kids Online Safety Act. That sounds like a good act. The Kids Online Safety Act? What am I going to be against kids online being safe? I'm actually, I, what am I going to come in and go, no, I oppose that. I'm part of the Child Unsafe Act. Let's, let's make sure the kids are unsafe. Even Spiegel, what a name. Chief Executive of SNAP and Lindo Yaccarino, who leads X, both agreed to support the Kids Online Safety Act, or COSA. 
The proposed law would require online services like social media networks, video game sites, and messaging apps to take reasonable measures. It's always reasonable. It's just reasonable gun control. We're just, we're working with the reasonable terrorists over there in Syria. You know, the moderate ones, the reasonable ones to prevent harm, including online bullying, harassment, sexual exploitation, anorexia, self-harm, and predatory marking. Why are we stopping kids from being anorexic? If, if as a kid, you're going to figure out how to stay skinny, that pays dividends. I'm going to get thrown off YouTube <laughs> to minors who use their platforms. Mr. Zuckerberg, Mr. Chu, and Jason Citron, the chief executive of Discord, did not pledge their support with some arguing that it was directionally helpful, but contained some overly broad restrictions. And of course, that's blocked that might lead to free speech issues. We all know what that child kid safety act thing is. All of a sudden you want to talk about free, like whatever you want to talk about. And it, well, that's not safe to kids. We can't have that on the internet. That's not safe for kids either. Oh, this guy's uh, telling jokes about a political thing and letting people know that maybe they could actually learn in school during COVID. You let kids know that they could learn during school during COVID and they might actually get COVID. That's not safe for kids. Better take that down off the internet. Next up, this was a wild story. You guys can go watch the footage. This is from the New York Post. Moment, Israeli commandos dressed as Muslim women and doctors storm West Bank Hospital, killing three, tel ter killing three terrorists in 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, I keep saying they're wrong on both sides. They're just unreasonable Jews. The Arabs are Jews, too. And they're just unreasonable on both sides. This story seems to highlight that perspective. You guys want real coverage of the Israel thing. You want the history. You want to know the ins and outs. That's a Scott Horton and Dave Smith thing. I just look at this and I go, I'm ignorant of everything that's going on. But uh, I look at buildings being flattened when you go, well we, well, we dropped the pamphlet on there and we told them that they had to leave and go, we didn't know where. So obviously we're not on the wrong. And I go, well, that sounds like some Jewy shit. But this is even more Jewy shit, followed by a response of even Jewier shit. <laughs> Jews on both sides. So what happened here is, or th th this is the first Jew maneuver. So you dress up like Arabs, you dress up like women, you dress up like doctors, you go in there and you have a secret operation to take out some Hamas terrorists. Now I like that. I like a secret operation. That's some movie shit right there. That's movie shit, putting on costumes, going on a raid, and then targeting the specific individuals that you want to take out. I like that. I like going after the leadership. I like secret spy missions. I like taking out terrorists. I think all of that rules. But I guess what's odd about this is uh, if your whole thing is about that Hamas is using people as human shields and that you can't prevent killing the people because they're mixed in, then if you purposely, I guess you're mixing yourself in as Arab individuals, which might incentivize them to go attack all individuals that are Arabs because you're like, hey, that might be in a secret Israeli. But I guess the point I'm making is you're not really playing by the rules either. And that how are they supposed to know who's soldiers and who's civilians if you're dressing up like civilians when you fight them? Now, like I said, I like super secret spy operations. This is the kind of stuff you could put in a movie down the line and we would all watch because it's interesting. But on the same note, that you know what I mean? How do you complain about the way that they're playing the game if you're also mingling in? But now here's the lies on both sides. This was the Israeli military said the trio of Palestinians fatally shot during the raid were using the hospital as a hideout and that one of them was a Moss member who had smuggled weapons and ammunition to others for a future terrorist attack inspired by the October 7th massacre. All right. I like that. You're taking out terrorists, secret operations. And I believe Hamas even confirmed that one of the people was, in fact, a terrorist. 
Now, here is where the Jewiness is coming in from the other side. Hospitals officials claimed the Israeli undercover forces broke into the medical complex around 5.30 a.m. local time, headed to the third floor and killed three men with silent pistols. They executed the three men as they slept in the room. They executed them in cold blood by firing bullets directly into their heads inside the room where they were being treated, the hospital's medical director said. All right, so what's odd about that is like, were they actually being treated or were these terrorists that were hiding out in your hospital? It's unclear. They're Jews on both sides. Everyone's lying to you all the time. But then the other thing is like, they don't actually tell you that they were terrorists. They just say that there were three men being treated. And this is coming from the hospital director, which uh, while the New York Times has reported that even the Biden administration was starting to take the Gaza authority on the casualty of civilians as being accurate numbers. Uh, this to me somewhat does call that into question. I'm not saying what Israel's doing in Gaza is okay. And I'm not saying that they haven't displaced civilians or killed civilians. But when I read this, this does at least show me that uh, potentially hospital records on civilians being killed uh, could be overstated. All right, moving forward, ex-senior Boeing manager warns flyers to avoid 737 MAX 9 jets. I would absolutely not fly a MAX airplane. This is from the CEO or the ex-senior Boeing manager. I've worked in the factory where they built, and I saw the pressure employees were under to rush the planes out the door. How do you avoid flying a MAX? Why do you even got to tell me about these things? What, what, are, you, what are we all going to do? Are we all going to have like, uh, what was that movie, Final Destination? Are we all going to have Final Destination moments where we stand there, we look at it, we go, that's a Boeing MAX. I'm not going to fly in that thing. Can you demand a refund if it's a Boeing MAX? How are you like, how is this workable? Do you get to call up your airline beforehand and make sure that it's not a Boeing Max before you fly it? You're already lucky enough if the plane that you booked is actually going to fly at the time that it's going to fly. You're really going to sit around and go, hey, is the doors on this plane going to stay on the, the actual plane? Can you just not tell me this information? I'm going to be stuck flying the thing anyways. Biden doesn't need a bill to fix the border. He just refuses to enforce the law. All right, we're going to do a deep dive on some of this border stuff. We've already kind of done a couple episodes on this guy. Biden's out there and he's trying to pull the most masterful spin we've ever seen anyone pull ever. Listen, I want the border closed just as much as the next guy. And I would have closed the border three whole years ago. Even I can admit now that this is a problem. And guess what? We've been trying to work on this. We've been trying to do the reform and nobody's given us the authority to do so. So we're going to take a look at that. I almost, wouldn't it be amazing? And that this might be like a hack premise, but wouldn't it be amazing if you worked at a job where it's like there was another team that existed just to undermine what you were doing? So every single time your initiative failed, you could be like, well, listen, I was going to, I would, I would, I've been trying to fix this thing for three years, but Jim's team has been undermining me the entire time. Isn't that amazing to work at a company where it's constant color war and there's your team and their team. And I guess the two teams never work together. So whenever something's not working out, you get to go, well, Jim's team was undermining my efforts since the beginning. Doesn't matter how wrong you are. And then the other team, Jim's team gets to come around and go, well, it was Rob's team. This whole time we could have gotten that done, but Rob's team doesn't, that, isn't that like one of like the fatal flaws of the entire democracy is the team sports of it, that whatever goes wrong, they can all, it was, it was that guy. I, I was here the whole time. I was trying to solve this thing, but that guy got in the way. So here you have Biden and he's saying, I would have taken care of this border. 
I would have loved to have taken care of this border. I love building walls even more than Donald Trump. Donald Trump, you think that guy likes building walls? You think he's a you think he's a builder? You should see what me and Hunter can do. Hunter's an artist for God's sakes. You, you don't think he can he can put together designs? You don't think we would like to just put down a giant canvas that Hunter could go down there and paint so it looked beautiful? We love walls even more than the Republicans do, but we just don't have the authority to put it up. So that's the most recent lie. That's the spin that they're trying to throw at us, trying to reinvent history, make it seem to us like uh, this entire administration, they've been doing everything they can to keep people from pouring over our border. So this was an opinion article from the New York Post that I think made some good points. So let's give it a read. Border Patrol agents in December nabbed nearly 250,000 illegal immigrants at the southern border. And that's the people they nabbed, okay? Or even processed to say that they nabbed. Forget all the people that they just drive to locations. They don't even need to process them. And almost immediately cut more than 191,000 of them loose, allowing them to remain in the country perhaps forever. Most of the rest will probably be released too. Foreign nationals make an economic choice when considering whether to pay smugglers thousands of dollars if they believe they'll recoup that down payment by working here, where wages are much higher, they'll come. Detained aliens can't work, but the vast majority know they won't be detained. The administration complains it's lack, um, it lacks detention resources, but instead of asking Congress for more funding, the president has repeatedly sought fewer detention beds in his annual budget requests. Granted, holding all those illegal immigrants would be expensive, but only initially. Once immigrants realized they wouldn't be released, the vast majority wouldn't come. Detention was the rule throughout the Obama and Trump administrations when illegal entries were a fraction of what they are today. Now, I take a step back. I look at this and I think, hey, this has been intentional. Biden's been trying to get as many people into the country as he can. And then your conspiracy brain can go wherever your conspiracy brain wants to go. Are they trying to, are, are the Republicans even in on this? Someone made a good point. I called someone with an intelligence background. Doesn't that sound sexy? I called someone with an intelligence background and they said, hey, listen, you know, this might not be such a loss for all these uh, Democrat cities who are crying that, uh, that they've got a problem on their hands because down the line, when they do the census and all of a sudden they got more individuals there, they might actually boost their, uh, their hold on government by getting more congressional seats and more budget. I hadn't even thought of that about that. Very interesting. The other conspiracy theory is they're going to need a new army. When they create central back digital currencies, they start telling us that we can't eat meat and your neighbor's not going to turn on you and tell you, hey, listen, fatso, that's too many hamburgers. I got to knock on your door and take away all your meat now. But some recent Mexican guy might, he's not, he's not, he doesn't have the same affinity to you and the burger that you want to eat. That's the conspiracy number two. Conspiracy number three is you give the amnesty to all these people and they'll vote for you forever. All right. You got all sorts of conspiracies as to why he's sneaking people over the border. But it seems to me like this entire thing has been intentional. Now, this gives him the benefit of the doubt. It just says that it was a dumb policy. But he says that essentially allowing people in, not detaining them, processing them quickly has created a negative consequence and that it incentivizes people to come into the country because they know that they can get in and that there'll be opportunities to work, which makes it worth it for them to take the risk. As opposed to if we made it more difficult, we didn't process as many people in, then they wouldn't all be like, hey, this is my one shot to get into the country. All right, let's continue. Even if Congress refused to pony up detention cash, the president already has the power to send illegal immigrants back across the border to wait their asylum hearings. Donald Trump used that authority when crafting Remain in Mexico and Biden retains that power. He just won't use it. 
This is also a speech from Mike Johnson, who gave a decent breakdown of all the things Biden has done historically over the last couple of years that have made this situation worse. So as Biden tries to claim, hey, listen, this whole time I wanted a border wall as much as the next guy. I've recognized this problem and the Republicans have gotten my way. Well, here are some of the receipts, not all the receipts. I don't think it gets into all the policies. I think if you really wanted to do good journalism on this, you got to go down and you got to actually talk to the people that have been doing this for their entire career and ask them what has changed over the last couple of years. What is this new system where you just pardon people? How are you processing them? How many people are you keeping these detention centers? Where, what are areas of the border that used to be patrolled that you aren't being patrolled? And by the way, the government's got the ability to solve all these problems. You can run the math on how many more agents do we need? What the, what's the cost? And instead of doing a Ukraine war, build a wall and do that. I don't think for one second that this is an unsolvable problem as much as you've got Mayorkas, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, who seem to go to the Fauci school of government for how to enact policies that are against everybody's interests and then just lie your way through it. These people are like me. If I continued to cheat, I should have stopped. Like I cheated sixth, seventh and eighth grade because I didn't like school. I sat down next to these uh, two uh, people that were good students. I cheated on them for everything. I got to high school. I stopped cheating. But you know what you need? You need people that never do their homework and always lie and always have good excuses. And then the CIA can recruit them and go perfect because government's going to pretend like there's something that it's doing in the future. And you're a great liar. You're exactly what we need. All right. Anyways, let's give a speech. This is Mike Johnson bringing some of the receipts for what what Biden has done that has clearly incentivized people to come over the border. Pass that if the Biden administration, if President Biden, by the stroke of a pen, would issue an executive order today to just simply reinstate Remain in Mexico, they think that that would stop the flow by 70%, 7-0. One stroke of a pen by the president. He does not seem to care. I told President Biden this myself on multiple occasions, most recently a couple of weeks ago on the phone. I read him the law that says that he has all this authority, but he refuses to act. And even that's even despite court orders, by the way, that instructed the administration to reinstitute Remain in Mexico while the litigation was going on. You know what they did? They ignored it. The administration refused it. I can keep going. September 2022, the Biden administration reversed a 2019 DHS public charge rule. What was that about? They began granting entry to aliens who we know will be a burden to taxpayers to receive immigration benefits. This matters because it's one of many instances in which the Biden administration is actively incentivizing illegals to come to the United States. We have sent, laid out the welcome mat. We told everybody around the world, come on, come on. You know what? The U.S. taxpayer will take care of you. You know how much it's costing you at home, the American people, all of our constituents? Billions and billions and billions of dollars to do what? To provide for people who are intentionally breaking our laws? billions and billions of dollars to house them and educate them and clothe them and take care of them. Why should we bear that burden when they break our laws? That's what our constituents are asking. And more people are in this chamber need to be asking it as well. We're asking it on the House Republican side. We need our Democrat colleagues to join us. Instead of threatening illegal aliens with deportation, we're rolling out the welcome mat. We're including aliens who will drain resources. You know what? Here's the other tragedy. The resources, those precious taxpayer dollars, intended for and paid by American citizens. But when you drain those resources and you spend them on illegals from other countries, you cannot take care of your own. 
It's a travesty. You can also see this with how DHS has abused the CBP-1 app, right? We've got an app. We've made it even easier now. This one's In important. Let's They expanded the use of the app so aliens could just make appointments and then be released immediately right into America's interior. Sure enough, guess what? 95% of all illegals who simply scheduled appointments through the app were released right into the United States on what they call parole. That's right. All you got to do, just download the app because they all have smartphones. Many of them coming over the border. Download the app. Make So in terms of Biden making this claim that he's been just as concerned about the border as anyone, he would love to be able to fix this situation. He just doesn't have the authority to do so. I don't have all of my homework done on this, but maybe down the line, some real journalism will be done. They'll talk to the people that work in ICE and all these other border, the border patrol, and uh, maybe we'll get some sort of an understanding of the change in law and that not only, I think, is there an increase in your ability to declare amnesty and uh, getting rid of the remain in ex- Mexico while they process your amnesty, but there seems to be some sort of an abuse of a parole process where I guess at the border, they get to parole you for, I guess, uh, having entered illegally. And they seem to have made it even easier for people to take advantage of the parole process, as we're going to see in a video from uh, Josh Hawley in a couple minutes of people, I guess, making arrangements to declare amnesty while they're in Mexico, coming over the border and then being paroled and then just getting on buses with free tickets to, you know, New York and other locations. All right, let's uh, delve in a little bit deeper. And once again, for people first tuning into the live, we're doing a bit of a deep dive here to debunk Biden's claim that he has had does just doesn't have the authority to uh, fix what's going on on the border. Let's take a look at our uh, next video here. Oh, so this was from Mike Johnson. He put out a number of instances. Some of them were soft. I, I didn't even read the whole thing. Some of them were like, all right, that doesn't seem that flagrant. That seems like you're trying to boost your numbers. Felt a little bit like when you read all the Donald Trump charges and they go 73 million charges and everything's just like a repeat of the exact same thing. But let's read a few of these. Because I do think that it's somewhat documents will clearly Biden changed policies that incentivize more people to come in and to somehow blame the Republicans for the change in policies that he made that seem to be more accommodating of people pouring in over the border doesn't check out. Here we go. March 31st, 2021, the Department of Health and Human Services, HSS Office of Refuge Resettlement issued guidance rolling back requirements for background checks on adults and households of a UAC sponsor. April 30th, 2021, the Biden administration canceled further wall construction, which was being led by the Department of Defense. June 15th, 2021, the Biden administration announced expansion of the Central American Miners Program, broadening the list of illegal aliens who can sponsor family members through the program, including illegal aliens who can claim asylum. June 16th, 2021. Attorney General Merrick Garland rescinded the Trump-era decision matter of LEA, thereby expanding asylum eligibility to allow nuclear or immediate family relations uh, relationships to be treated as a particular social group. I swear to God, I can read pretty good. I just probably have to actually start wearing glasses when we do this. June 16th, 2021. Attorney Merrick Garland, uh, Merrick Garland rescinded the Trump era decision of matter ABI, ABI2, thereby expanding asylum eligibility 
to include gender and domestic relationships, certain social groups reverting to policy under in a matter of I don't know what that those letters are. July, but I drive a car late at night. <laughs> July 2021, the United States Border Patrol released at least 50,000 aliens without giving a notice to appear a court date instead of advising them to self-report to ICE. And the list continues um, and you guys can go check it out. Uh, this was from uh, Zero Hedge. I didn't delve into that, but I, this headline caught me because it fit the theme. 75% of House Democrats voted against deporting criminal migrants who commit social security fraud. The big fear over here is, hey, we have uh, a lot of socialized programs over here. And if every time someone sneaks over the border, they get free schooling, they get free health care, the children get to be citizens. You're incentivizing more and more people to try and come over and claim all these benefits. And so you would think you would try and prevent the abuse of claiming benefits as much as possible because the American people who are paying for these things, they don't want people stealing it from them. So one of those things might be if you worked for your entire life for Social Security and now you're trying to live off that Social Security check, which isn't great. It probably hasn't paced itself with inflation. If you could have kept your own money and invested it, you probably would be doing better. Even if you just blew it on a nicer house, you'd probably be doing better. Sure, if you spent it on cigarettes and booze, you would have lost out. But if you put it in the market or if uh, you, you just spent more money on a nicer home to live in, you probably would be coming out ahead than the money that was stolen from you and forcibly invested with the government so that it could be returned to you at retirement. I'm sure there's some people that benefit from Social Security that put in more less money than they get out. I bet in, cer in certain instances, it's a safety net. But I bet for most of us, especially people my age, by the time we get to Social Security, you think they're still going to have it? Are you looking at your retirement plans and thinking, hey, I'm going to have Social Security? But here we go. 75% of House Democrats voted against deporting criminal migrants <coughs> who commit Social Security fraud. That certainly sounds to me like it's going to incentivize more abuse of the system. Is that what we want? That sounds like you're going to incentivize, one, more people trying to come in here because they know, oh, when I get to be an age, I can probably rig the system and file for Social Security. Now I get it. Maybe I'm buying into Republican propaganda right now. Maybe there isn't a lot of abuse. Maybe they don't forecast a lot of abuse. Maybe they'll actually invest in uh, making sure that there isn't. But do you guys remember what happened with those PPE loans? What did 50% of them go to fraud? And then the government, they had to shut down that program where you could train, uh, where you could claim your credits. If you actually, this was a good program. If you kept your business going and you kept your employees going, they had a good tax incentive for doing so. And then they ended up with so many claims that they just had to shut it down. So do we think that the government's very good at processing these claims? Are they going to have a good handle on who actually deserves social security and who doesn't? I don't know to what extent social security fraud uh, exists now, shoving grandma in a freezer and just printing those checks. The push to impeach Mayorkas proceeds. This is a weird one. Mayorkas, he's been the front of this thing. They've pulled him into Congress a thousand times. He's like, I'm telling you, he's pure Fauci. Him and Fauci went to the same government school of how to enact bad programs on behalf of the deep state and some specific NGOs, profits, or other agendas and just lie about it. And he's he's glorious at lie. I wouldn't agree with that question. I don't have a Mayorkas impression. Maybe we can work on it. It's hard not to just fall back into Fauci because he is a Fauci. He's a balder, uglier. I don't know that he's uglier, but and bald is beautiful. So I'm not trying to knock the guy for being bald. What am I going to, of all things to knock the guy for, it's not going to be his beautiful bald head. Uh, but here was a video of Josh Hawley, 
giving Mayorkas a uh, a hard time. Uh, Josh Hawley, by the way, I think he's the uh, superstar of the Republicans. I, uh, you know, I could see him being in the next uh, presidential race. He seems to fare the best when these people get on television to try and create spectacles and then don't do anything. That's it. They just come on television for a couple minutes. Is Fauci ever going to get in trouble for all the times he lied to Rand Paul about gain of function research? Probably not. And hopefully I timestamp this because I, I did my homework. I watched this video twice. I think I put the timestamp in because I think where this gets most interesting, hopefully it starts from there. I don't want to play the whole thing because it's about 11 minutes, but he does ask Mayorkas, what is the story with these apps that you seem to be allowing people to just make reservations of when they're going to come over the border and then you just seem to be processing them into the country? How are you claiming that you guys would take care of this if you had the authority when you've clearly done all of these things at every step of the way to make it easier for people to come into the country and to incentivize more migration. Hopefully it starts from the right timestamp. Let's give it a listen. What I hope it is does a not. I'm going to just bounce we forward need to and hope have uh, more or because I think it was a couple minutes. Enough to be a member of a non-governmental organization. Anybody can download the app. All right, let's start from an here. Urgent, um, um, an urgent humanitarian reason. So instead of them coming in between the ports of entry to claim that urgent medical condition, that extraordinarily um, uh, acute humanitarian cause. We allow a limited number to arrive at our ports of entry and seek the emergency relief that they need. Schedule, you you allow them, let's, let's, be, let, let, let's be particular about and what I you do. I should say you that the CBP-1 app was not uh, unveiled for the first time on January 5th of this year. Oh, oh no, but you changed it. You made it available on January 5th to the illegals themselves. You don't have to be a lawyer to use it. You don't have to be a member of a non-governmental organization. Anybody can download the app and use it on their phone. And for the first time, you allow them to schedule appointments. Now let's talk about what actually happens when they come to the border. It's interesting. You characterized this when you rolled it out as an application for applying for asylum. But nowhere on the app do you actually require the illegal migrants to apply for asylum or to claim asylum or anything about asylum. And in fact, when they then get to the border, you don't ask them questions, you don't do interviews, you just release them. Here's the Texas Monthly, not a notable conservative outlet, who reports, and I quote, at no point does the app ask users, are you seeking asylum? Those arriving for the CBP-1 appointments are given no interviews, asked no questions about vulnerabilities that they may or may not have listed in the app or about why they're coming to the United States. They're simply released into the country, end quote. So rather than building a wall, Mr. Secretary, you have built Ticketmaster for illegal immigrants. You are, um, Senator, you are categorizing programs. Let me, let me explain. Well, just, just respond to let this. Is it true that they are given no interviews, asked no questions, and simply released into the country? Let me explain to you let me what explain. we announced on January 5th. No, no I want you to explain but, to me what's happening. I, I know what you oh, announced. So, I read it to you. So I, so I will explain to you what is happening. Are they given because, interviews? Because Let's start with that. Are they given interviews? We were previously experiencing that's, almost, that's starting almost, to sound like a no. Well, let's just 90, let's just hone in here, Mr. Almost, Secretary. My time is is very limited. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to drive to some clarity here. But Are they, the Texas Monthly has reported that once illegal immigrants go on their phone and reserve their time to come to the border, once they use your concierge service that you've created for them, when they come, they are given 
no interviews. They are asked no questions about any vulnerabilities. They are simply released into the country. Is that happening? Uh, Senator, you are mistaken. And if I may explain. Are they given interviews? If I may explain. Individuals who seek parole under our January 5th program for Cubans, Haitians, Nicaraguans, and Venezuelans are screened and vetted before they arrive at our border. That wait a minute, wait a minute. No. I just want to pause for a second here because this already uh, like assumes that I guess declaring asylum uh, from coming in from South America is something that the American people want. I don't know that that was always the norm that you could just come in and declare asylum. And then it further assumes that whatever this mechanism of parole is, and I don't know the numbers on to what extent they're now using this new parole system, is something that has always existed. So like the conversation now already jumps past, well, did the administration expand asylum usages or the ability to use asylum? Did it expand this parole system? And now goes into both of those things are assumed. Asylum is normal. Parole is normal. But you built an app that makes this parole system even easier. And by the way, I know that this is technical, but this is bringing the receipts that this is amidst Biden claiming, hey, I've been trying to do everything here. I just don't have the authority. And these are the specific things that they've done to make it easier. No, they, they go on and, and they go on the phone and they just reserve a time and then they show up and they're not given they're given nothing. Listen to this. Even immigration advocates are amazed about this here. Also from the Texas Monthly. Here's one immigration advocate whose first name is Orta. She says that's the crazy part. Nothing in this new program requires you to actually seek asylum. Somehow we've decided to punish those who arrive at the border without the app who may be seeking asylum, but we just let in anybody who may or may not have any particular reason to seek asylum, so long as they've made an appointment on your Ticketmaster app. This seems crazy to me. Senator, it's a complete mischaracterization of the program that we announced and are implementing. So how many people have used, how many people have used the app then? That you are referring to. So if I can explain. How many people have used so, the app? So we have, um, we had Let's watch another a significant surge of Cubans. How many people have used the app? Nicaraguans and Venezuelans. Mr. Secretary, you're here to answer my questions. How many people have used the app? Uh, tens of thousands have sought to uh, make an appointment at the port of entry under our parole program. How, okay. Okay, good. How many have been admitted without an interview at the border? Uh, well, uh, you are, uh, again, inserting a fact uh, that does not belong in your question. So. If I can, Isn't that a great I'm, I'm reading to you from public reports about how your own app works. You're just blanket denying. Actually, you're not quite denying it. You're saying that maybe we don't understand. Apparently, I don't understand. Texas Monthly doesn't understand. Immigration advocates don't understand. You're the only one who understands. Yet you won't answer my question. How much did this cost to develop, by the way? All right, it's enough of this. You guys can go watch this on your own time. Uh, and then this is fun. You got the Texas border convoy going down there which I always love when citizen action can just clean up when the government can't. You just get a bunch of truckers down there. They park the trucks and just like you can't cross. And then all of a sudden there's no more crossings. I don't know that it will get there because, uh, you know, Texas can't even put up its own border wall without Biden coming in and taking it down. All right. That was our deep dive debunking Biden going, hey, I've done everything I can. While it seems very clear that they've intentionally 
done everything they can to try and get as many people over the border as possible. Before we get into our next quick section where, uh, you know, we just uh, round up some headlines and we give some quick snapshots. Producer, play that gunslinging music. Um, uh, Sheathunderwear.com. Use promo card RYM. You get yourself 20% off the greatest underwear that's ever graced the balls of man. I uh, particularly like the uh, the uh, the Donald Cerrone's. The Cowboys look sexy as hell. I've been squatting, but between the squats and this nice thing that really forms into your butt, you can really show off your hiney, people. So if you want to have the greatest underwear ever, I'm full-time a sheather. And uh, use promo code ROIM, get yourself 20% off. Show your support to the sponsors. We bring you guys some great products and people that really have loyally supported the show. Let's go to sheathunderwear.com, use promo code ROIM, 20% off. I uh, take the sheath challenge. You don't like it. You can just send Bobby an email. I think uh, I think I'll refund you on the spot. That's how good this underwear is. I still have my original pairs. It is worth the investment. All right, let's do the quicks quickly because I really, uh, I'm going to be honest, I got to pee over here. First is, this was from uh, the guy who wrote the Black Swan book, which is an audio book I listened to and comprehended maybe 10% of. Uh, but I think he was a guy who uh, predicted the last financial collapse and uh, the Black Swan book. Maybe you're smarter, better at statistics than I am, and you'll get a full understanding of it. But my limited understanding of it, I thought it was a worthwhile read. Now, here's something that uh, I've been talking about uh, quite a bit. So first is, you know, I'm seeing more and more articles that are kind of validating that the episode I did with uh, Gene Epstein recently, Gene was right. It seems I don't understand it. But uh, with all the COVID spending, everything else, it seems like the Fed has gotten themselves a nice soft landing. Our uh, economy hasn't gone, hasn't blown up. Bitcoin hasn't gone through the roof and the uh, economy hasn't gotten so destitute that I've been able to throw tuna fish cans into the street and fish a hot wife back into my apartment. All the canned food, all the preparations I've been making, all the doomsday stuff, the bricks, uh, the, 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 the end of the U S dollar, all this stuff, it just seems to be moving on. And I don't know, under, quite understand how, <laughs> but you know, it seems like the economy is not collapsing. It seems like the end of quantitative easing hasn't brought an end to our stock market. None of it makes any sense to me, but I do look at this situation and I feel like it's just the fed seesaw. What do you want to gamble on? I, are we going to end up at a point where all this money contracting out of the system, some of these bubbles actually blow up. All of a sudden your cash is valuable and we actually see some form of deflation and you'll be the luckiest human being on live. If you've been hoarding your cash, you've been staying out of the market and you'll see discounts that you haven't seen in a hundred years. You can actually go out there and you can buy shit and you can be wealthy. Or do you want to make sure that you have zero cash whatsoever and that you're in every single freaking asset you can get your hands on because the fed's going to step back in they're going to keep printing money and you know home prices are going to keep going up they're going to keep making funds available they're going to keep putting money into the stock market they're going to buy bonds they're going to bail out the banks and my god you better be in assets because it's going to be nothing but inflation and if you're holding cash you'll never be able to afford to buy anything again who knows and it seems like this erodes the entire financial system of trying to look and research an asset and figure out what it's worth because we're all just playing a game of betting on the Fed. Can you just tell us, are you guys going to inflate forever? Do you have the power to do that forever? Or at some point in time, we're like the laws of finance going to come back in and I'm not claiming to have a full understanding of it, but perhaps you guys quit just pouring on the money spigot and you'll see some version of deflation. 
Okay, so this is uh, sometimes you get to read articles and you got all these like loony thoughts just flowing around your head and you're like, oh, that's an articulate version of the loony thought that's been floating around in my head. And uh, this was the along the lines of things I've heard from Clint Russell, where he said he left his job because he was like, I can't make recommendations anymore. I don't know how to like research financial assets. And I think it's somewhat in line with the, the conversation that we had with uh, David Column. Uh, and why he's bearish about the future of the stock market. But let's give this a read. We have no idea how to value companies. Unfortunately for his audience, Taleb also didn't have a rosy outlook for the stock market. Like other Wall Street bears, he warned that the analysts are losing sight of how to appropriately value companies, inflating their worth beyond tangible outcomes. And by the way, I remember from reading about um, the uh, subprime mortgage crisis, I was in college at the time, and uh, it was interesting, by the way, because that was the one time, I don't know, somehow my dad, nice little Jew dad working in synagogue, managed to get me a hedge fund job, and I blew that opportunity because uh, I wasn't really that interested in doing that stuff. But I did once, I think freshman year of college, I got some job in a like fancy hedge fund. I sat there. I had no idea what was going on. I took long lunch breaks. You know, I did what I do. But uh, I do remember that there were just like two articles on like the fourth page of the wall street journal about these, like this one Lehman group and someone else and the subprime mortgage crisis. And then it was just like a little thing and everyone's reporting. Yeah, that's just a couple isolated banks. It's no big deal. And it was interesting to see that that poured from like the sixth page of the newspaper to all of a sudden being the great recession and the biggest bank bailouts that ever happened. And then the fed just pouring money into this system and everything that we've seen for, I guess, the last, you know, 15 years or whatever it is, 10 years. Um, so I remember being kind of not on the scene, but like seeing the way that that thing grew and how it started small and then the contagion kind of grew. Uh, and so in this case, I don't know why I went on that tangent. Um, oh, yeah, right. Because I remember from the subprime mortgage crisis, Part of it was that there was an assumption the Wall Street had all of these fancy models, but all their fancy models all relied on one little flawed piece of information, which is they all just assumed that the housing market was always going to go up. And so all of their money being spent on the subprime mortgages and going, hey, listen, these packages of mortgages, this is this is prime. This is as good as holding a government bond. Mortgages are never going to go down in value. And so they were kept collateralizing. They kept thinking that there was all this money in the system because there was just this faulty assumption in all of it that no matter what, more uh, the housing market was always going to go up. And so they all had these fancy models, but the fancy models were worthless because they were just based on this one assumption. And so as I'm reading this, I'm kind of it's kind of reminding me of that situation. Let's continue here. The New York University professor said in the past 20 years, price per earnings was something you could grasp. Today, it is all over the place. It is a modern accident, an accident of history. We have no idea how to value companies. It's mostly narratives and stories about the future to raise money so you can sell to someone else. Think of the number of people who made a lot of money in venture capital off of companies that ended up making no money. Someone got stuck with that bill at the end of the meal. This is what I meant by those crazy company valuations. The overvaluation alarm has been sounded by some time by Morgan Stanley, Mike Wilson. In February last year, the chief investment officer warned the S&P 500 is in the death zone, a term mountaineers use to return to, uh, to refer to altitudes where oxygen is no longer sufficient to sustain human life for an extended period of time. 
Either by choice or out of necessity, investors have followed stock prices to dizzying heights once again as liquidity bottled auction and allowing them to climb to the region. And I have to figure out how to fix StreamYard telling me to stop share. Oh, I, there's a hide button. Look at that. I can just press hide. It's been there the whole time. I'm yelling about how many things in my life do I just yell where I'm furious and the solution's right in front of your face? Let's continue. Allows them to climb into a region where they know they shouldn't go and cannot live very long, Wilson, right? According to Market Watch, they climb in pursuit. All right, everyone gets it. Moving on. What's the next one we got? Commercial property loses bruise brinks around the globe. So this is kind of what I was talking about with the beginning of the subprime mortgage crisis is that they've been talking about how commercial real estate is in a bubble. We were all going into offices all the time. You had all this money available for commercial real estate investment developments. And so what's going to happen is no one returns to work and all this commercial real estate unwinds. And have they been packaging those mortgages together at the banks? Is it a little bit like the subprime mortgage? Uh, probably not. It's probably, it's probably smaller. Um, but this article is kind of breaking down of whether or not we've seen the full effect of commercial real estate values coming down. Um, and it just reminded me of what I remember seeing kind of at the beginning of the subprime mortgage crisis. Uh, but with that being said, I'm not a financial expert. These are topics beyond my comprehension. And that's why it's in the quick section. Um, this one was fascinating to me. This is from the New York Times, a thin margin. Here's one way to think about the situation. Biden won the 2020 election by a very small margin. Nationally, he beat Trump by 7 million votes, but the Electoral College margin was much narrower. If the right mix of about 50,000 people across a few swing states had switched their votes, Trump could have won. By almost any measure, Biden's standing seems to be weaker today than it was in November 2020. 2020. All right. It was just the first paragraph that was interesting to me because like, I'm surprised you don't see more incentives to try and move voters to strategic locations. Like if that's true, that it was just 50,000 voters. Uh, I'm, uh, firstly, I think that pulls into what's going to be the ramifications of all these people coming across the border, getting amnesty and uh, affecting, you know, congressional seats down the line, congressional budgets down the line and whether or not their kids vote. But I'm also surprised that you don't see more, like incent, like I'm almost surprised that you don't see the Democrats pouring a lot of money into the areas that they're trying to get more voters in. Like they don't just have super free housing programs and et cetera. And that like, you know, 50,000 people is not a lot of people. So what if you just managed to incentivize a million people to move to the right areas? Biden takes aims at grocery chains over food prices. Here's a fun one. You got to bring those, those costs down. You guys can't all work together to make everything more expensive. You're making me look bad. People are showing up to stores. They think everything's going up in price and really it should be cheaper. I mean, how does that work in the world of economics? You're telling me the grocery stores don't want to compete. There's no food company that would like to go, Hey, I can actually afford to charge a lower price and get more of your business. You're telling me every single grocery store out there they're all colluding in tandem. None of them want my business more than the other one. And so they're all collectively working together to raise prices. And actually all the entire sphere of food production from canned foods to everything else, they're all working together and realizing we can charge more money. But once Biden steps in and tells them, how dare you continue to raise your prices on consumers? I'm sure there won't be rationing. I'm sure that this plan is going to work out. You can just shame the food producers to collectively just, you know, it's time for them to pitch in and just charge us less money. Now, what's going on that they seem to all be able to charge us more money? I, I, 
I don't know. Biden takes aim at grocery chains over food prices. President Biden has begun to accuse stores of overcharging shoppers as food costs remain a burden for consumers and a political problem for the president. Why can't we get more food, more food produ producers into the system? Why isn't there more supply of food? Why is it that uh, this seems to be an industry that uh, can just charge more across the board without any competition or interest in getting more business? Or is it some sort of a sign of inflation? All right. We got a couple topics left. Bud Light partners with comedian Shane Gillis after companies fall from grace. Uh, now I got to say, I've switched it up. I moved on to Coors Banquet. I had a Miller High Life the other night. I thought that was delicious. I think I'm back into beer because for a while, I got rid of the whiskey for my house. That's my 2024 thing. No more drinking at home. I was enjoying myself some fine whiskeys. And let me tell you, when you're drinking your fine whiskey at home, you go out, you take a sip of beer. You're like, what do I need this fucking nonsense for? Give me a cup of whiskey. Let's go. But you stop drinking at home. And then all of a sudden you go out, you actually have a beer. You're like, oh my God, I love beer. Uh, and so for a while I, you know, I like the good IPAs. I've always been a good IPA drinker, but a bottle, a cold bottle of Budweiser, that was my jam going all the way back to high school. Budweiser was like the beer I started on the 40 ounce Budweiser's from New York city bodegas. They were like $2 and 50 cents. And I, I don't know why to me, there was nothing more American than Budweiser and, uh, and Marlboro red cigarettes, even though they burn the back of my throat and like, I wouldn't be able to talk for a week for some reason. If you're in high school, if you're smoking a cigarette, it better be a Marlboro red. I don't know why I jumped to the worst and harshest version of a cigarette, but I was a dumb kid who I guess was advertised as an even younger kid. And to me, if you were going to be an idiot American, you were going to do idiot American things, which meant Budweiser. Maybe I just like the color red. Maybe that's all that was. But anyways, you got Bud Light is partnering with comedian Shane Gillis after companies fall from grace. I think to me, and you guys can email me, robsnewsroom.gmail.com. Someone else can come on and uh, take the other side of this one, but I'm willing to drop the beef. I hadn't had a Bud. I've had maybe one or two Budweiser's if I was alone. No one was around type thing, like at a bar. But like for the most part, I've stopped drinking Budweiser. You wouldn't catch me on a podcast with a Budweiser in my hand. I liked it. I was like, good. The market finally stood up and they punished a company for picking woke nonsense over profits. And it's good. Finally, we, we finally have a win on the table. And to me, I don't know the extent of this partnership with Shane Gillis. It might have just been a single Instagram post. I don't know. But I can tell you that in the marketing sphere, it seems like everyone is a bunch of sheep. They'll all spend countless money on television advertising, even if it doesn't work, because everyone else is in the television advertising. And to me, if this actually moves the needle, if Budweiser spends money with Shane Gillis and Shane Gillis is actually at such a cultural moment right now that that turns things around and there's enough people like me out there that go, oh, fuck, if you're going to support Shane Gillis, I'll stop boycotting your product. And that and that moves the needle a little bit and starts turning around the 30 percent loss that I think Bud Light is down. I think you're going to see a lot more money pour into the comedy space. And I think you're going to see brands going, OK, we can't avoid this category anymore because I think there are a lot of brands that sat on the sidelines of certain areas of comedy or even like specific advertising that would make sense for their vertical as they're trying to actually target their customers. I think they just sat, they were like, listen, we're all not doing this stuff. We're too concerned with brand safety and whatever else. And I think as uh, um, I think if this actually moves the needle in the, in, in a direction of profit for Budweiser, the category of offensive comedy will be undeniable and that will bring more money into the sphere. And as I work in the space, I think that that would be a win.
Um, uh, we can talk about it another time. And all right, I got one last thing to close out the show. Uh, before we do, I've been ignoring comments this whole time. So why don't we take a uh, why don't we take a couple of comments here? A fix. He's been busy. How much time do you spend on 4chan? Two, why can't I super chat on YouTube? How much whipped cream do your neighbors think you make yearly? <laughs> I don't know what you mean <laughs> by whipped cream. There's no, I don't know what that means. Uh, super chat's not turned on. The channel's not monetized because I feel like it would be pulled down quicker than it currently is if it was uh, monetized. Um, but, you know, maybe I'll just start putting my Venmo up. You guys can send me money. I like your money. Uh, a fix. Jesus, this show is rough on Nas. Oh, maybe that guy's doing nitrous oxide and having a good time. Yeah, I, maybe my shrieking doesn't go well with nitrous oxide, but I don't know that I would recommend this show with the side of nitrous oxide. Maybe a beverage, maybe smoke a little weed, but, you know, nitrous oxide, you want to, yeah, well, who wants to listen to this while they're doing nitrous oxide? Come on, man. Old English 40s are cheaper. You know, I never got into old English, but I did have a, I did have a run with Steel Reserve. I did have a run when I was like 8% alcohol. Oh, and then you have a fix taking my, uh, si oh, Steely. Maybe that's, uh, okay. Take, uh, take one more. Um, you missed easy miss, I don't know what that is. Okay. Um, the other day on part of the problem, I don't even know if the episode's out yet, but we caught a Joy Reid hot mic moment. I don't know if you guys saw that, but you know, she was, uh, talking and uh, they went to show a video and you actually got to hear her commentary about that video. So to close out the show, I was able to track down additional Joy Reid hot mic moments. It took me a lot of research to find these, but I was able to find two other moments uh, that weren't as widely reported where there was a mix up and uh, Joy Reid accidentally, um, you know, gave her real commentary on something. Oh, you let him motherfuckers over the border, aren't you? Oh, damn. I think that old guy got to poop his pants again. Look at that shuffle. I got four four-year-olds at home with no daddy. I can tell you what some dookie butt looked like. Oh, that wasn't a smooth end to the stream. 